0: You don't just go get a new one, you don't park it beside the road and go to a new dealership and get a new car. What do you do? You refuel it. And there's some of us that our relationships have kind of run out of gas, feel like we're kind of running on fumes and we don't know what to do with that. And the reality is it's not time to check it in, it's not try to do something different, it's not time to hit the eject button. What we need to do is refuel, we need to recharge, and we need to rekindle what it is that God has given to us. Think for a minute and imagine what your relationships could look like. I I know you see the reality. Maybe when you watch this couple, you kind of saw yourself a little bit in this relationship. Or that sounded eerily familiar to what happened yesterday or even this morning. and, 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 And you're having a hard time seeing beyond that. But I reached out to some friends this week and I said, help me. Like, if for husbands, like, give me some imagine statements. Imagine a wife that, you fill in the blank. I did the same thing to their spouses, and they came up with some good stuff. In fact, there was so much stuff, I had to whittle it down, just a few. But here's what some of the guys said. Imagine a wife that is so loved by her husband that everything she does shows respect for her husband. Imagine a wife who listens to the good and the bad and then storms heaven for you. Imagine a wife who dreams with you. Imagine a wife whose smile makes you feel like the world is standing still. Imagine a wife who is your best friend. Imagine a wife who gives grace when it's undeserved. Imagine a wife that sees everything God sees in you, even when you can't see it for yourself. Our guys did pretty good, but our ladies did pretty well, too. They said, imagine a husband who makes you feel smart and beautiful and used by God and completely invincible. Imagine a husband that covers you in prayer or carries you when you don't have the strength to even walk. Imagine a husband who loses himself in worship and is unashamed to express his devotion to God. Imagine a husband who reminds you of who God made you to be, even when you sometimes forget. Imagine a husband who can perceive when you are exhausted and will do whatever he can to shoulder some of the weight and responsibilities you carry. Imagine a husband who makes a special trip to Dairy Queen for your favorite dessert and then will watch a Hallmark movie with you. That's a man's man. Imagine a husband who loves you like Christ loved the church. I like this one. Imagine growing up believing that a happy marriage only existed in the movies. And then finding someone who shows you daily that he would swim through shark-infested waters to bring you a cookie. And by making clear to all that I'm his number one, by investing himself in my children that he did not even father, by insistently pulling me out of dark holes I find myself in, by telling me regularly that I am his dream come true, which means more than anything that could make me realize how much God even loves me by giving me the gift of this man's Imagine. Imagine. Imagine what could be, right? And we often say that's what vision is, um, uh, something that, that could be. It's a clear mental picture of what could be, but it's fueled by this conviction that it should be that way. And so when I think about these imagined statements, these aren't just like lofty goals that are off in the distance that we can't experience, but these are clear mental pictures of what could be, but it's fueled by a conviction that that's the way our relationships should be. And I want you to realize today, you can have that relationship. You can be that husband. You can be that wife. You can have the marriage you dreamed of, and you can have the marriage that God intended you to have judy jacobs who's a a very famous singer and songwriter she once said this and and i'll never forget it she said that if you want to experience something you've never experienced before you've got to do something that maybe you've never done before now let's talk about that from the spiritual context right if i want to experience Um, a spiritual breakthrough, then maybe the things that I need to do is fast and pray in a way I've never done before. So maybe you've never fasted and you've never prayed, but you want that spiritual breakthrough. So what she's saying is is you're going to have to do some things maybe you've never done before if you're going to see God do some things that you've never seen Him do before. If you want financial breakthrough, then you're going to need to give generously of your finances and you're going to need to trust God with the miraculous. If you want to lead somebody to Jesus, some of you would love that experience. You would love the opportunity to share your faith with somebody. But you're terrified to do that. And so if you're going to see God move in that area of your life, then you're going to have to step out in faith and have the courage to tell somebody your story and then invite them to this relationship with Jesus. And if you'll do some things you've never done before, you'll be amazed at what God can do in your life when you do that. But that principle... Holds true in your marriage as well. If you want your marriage to be like you've never experienced it before. Then maybe you're going to have to do some things that you've never done before. And so Paul, right here in Colossians 3. Just as we walk through this. Like sheds light how this happens. And he says in Colossians 3 verses 18 and 19. Wives, submit to your husbands. As is fitting for those Who belong to the Lord. And husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Now, I'll stop right here and say we're really good at taking verses of Scripture and pulling them out of context and like letting them stand on their own. But when you take those verses of Scripture in the whole context, that sometimes they take on a little bit different meaning. And here's what I mean look at verse 17. Like we like to just kind of jump to the, hey, why? Submit to your husbands is unto the Lord. Because That's what the Bible says you're supposed to do. But let's back up the verse before and see what Paul uses to set that up. And here's what Paul says in verse 17. And whatever you do and whatever you say, you are to do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. And so Paul is saying here, as a follower of Jesus, it is your responsibility and privilege to be a representative of Jesus in the world and in our homes. And as a follower of Jesus, who was putting on, just like we talked about last week from the verses that are leading up to this passage, as followers of Jesus, we're to put on tender-hearted mercy, gentleness, kindness, patience, and most of all, love. Paul says as you do that and you become a representative of Jesus to your husband and to your wife, here's what that looks like. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. So what Paul is saying is if you want to minister to your family, if you want to minister to your spouse, if you want to be a blessing to them, then here's some really good ways that you can do that. But for some of us, there's that one word that we fight against, and it's the word submission. And the reason that we don't like that word is because we don't understand what God's word means when it says wives, submit to your husbands. Because we use a secular definition that looks like this. It's going to be on the screen for you. Here's the definition of submission. Accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will of another person. Now think about how that works in your marriage. So if we take that definition, what we're saying is is wives, here's what you need to do. You need to accept or yield to the superior force, which is your husband to the will of another person. And of course, anybody that uses that definition would not like that idea of submitting to anybody. I, I, I'm a big sports fan. I like to listen to sports radio. And, and I like Mike and Mike in the morning. And now it's like Golick and Wingo, and they've messed it all up. But but I love I love Golik, and, and I, I love to, I just wrote all the guys back in with that one statement. All the ladies, I have no idea what we're talking about now, but now the guys are back in, right? we talk talking about sports radio. And Golick talks about football. And he was, in, he was in a defensive lineman for the Philadelphia Eagles like way back in the day. And, and I love how he describes the game of football. And he says, the game of football is all about imposing my will on another human being and by sheer brute force opposing my will against another man and moving him When he does not have the desire to be moved, welcome to the game of football, right? That's what it is. I'm imposing my will upon someone else, and I'm forcing them to move by brute force when they do not have the desire to move. That is also submission. Now, how would that work in your home? How would that work in your relationships, right? We're not talking about imposing our will on somebody and moving them when they have no desire to be moved. That's not what Paul is talking about. Submission is two words. Sub means under, and mission means task. So if I'm submitting to someone, and the Bible even says in Ephesians 5, we're going to get there in a second, that we as brothers and sisters are to submit to one another. So it's really mutual submission. But what it's saying is, is I'm going to get underneath you, and I'm going to become a foundation to help you become everything that God destined for you to become. So if I submit to you, that's what I'm saying. I'm not imposing my will on you. I'm becoming a foundation for you and lifting you up and helping you become who God intended for you to be. One of our imagined statements from our wives even said, imagine a husband who sees that you have purpose and is willing to even take the kids out for a little while for you to invest in that which God has put in your heart. What is that? That's a husband who has a foundation for his wife who says, I realize you were created with purpose. You have purpose and I'm going to do whatever I can to be a foundation for you to help you become who God destined for you to become. That's what submission is about. And so wives, as you submit to your husbands, you are supporting him and encouraging him and helping him be the spiritual leader that God has called him to be in your home. This verse of scripture is not saying you you surrender to the authority of your husband because he is the highest authority in your home. Whether you like it or not, guys, you aren't the highest authority in your home. Jesus is. Jesus is the highest authority Authority in your home. And so for me as a husband, as a dad, of, as a follower of Jesus, I am submitting to the authority of God in my home. I'm submitting to his authority while I lead my family and what it looks like to follow Jesus. That is the role of a husband. That's the spiritual leader of a home. And guys, that's, that's our privilege And, wives, when you submit to your husband, what you're doing is supporting him and encouraging him and helping him fulfill that God given responsibility and role. But it's not blind obedience. Because I've seen a lot of men who have disqualified themselves from that role. They've been abusive physically, they've been abusive sexually, even psychologically. And we're not saying, women, you submit to somebody who's treating you harshly. Because God says here through Paul, husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Now, if you're a Bible scholar or you study the Bible, then you know that this passage of Scripture sounds very similar to what Paul writes in Ephesians 5. And Paul goes into a lot more detail In Ephesians 5. I wish I had time to just like read it, but we just don't have the time this morning. And so that's your assignment. That's your homework. I want you to find a quiet place and I want you to read through Ephesians 5. But Let me give you the highlights, okay? He starts out by talking about how we are to be careful how we live, that we are to be wise and we're not to be foolish that we're to make the most of every opportunity, that we are to be filled with the Spirit of God, giving thanks to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he immediately says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And for husbands, who are the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church, And the church submits to Christ, so wives submit to your husbands in everything. But then he goes on to say, and in the same way as Christ loved the church, husbands love your wives. And and as I stated earlier, we're really good at disconnecting verses and taking them out of the context that they're in. And so let's really look at this. Paul goes from talking about being filled with the Spirit of God and being surrendered to Jesus, and then it feels like he makes a hard right turn and starts talking about marriage and how husbands and wives should act within their marriage. And so we'd almost expect a transition statement that says, okay, we're going to talk about what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Now we're finished with that. Now we're going to talk about what it means to be husbands and wives. Why did Paul not give a transition statement like that? Let me tell you why. Because he didn't change the subject. He didn't go in a different direction. He didn't make a hard right turn and start talking about something completely different. He's still talking about the same thing. He's saying as followers of Jesus that we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. And we need to submit to one another out of the reverence of Christ. And as we do that, being filled with the Spirit of God... Wives, here is how you bless your husbands. And husbands, here is how you bless your wives. Husbands, love your, 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 your wife as Christ loved the church. And basically what Paul is saying is, is that if his spirit is not alive and well in your life and in your home, you will never be able to accomplish this thing called marriage the way that God designed for you to experience it. How on earth are you going to be the spiritual leader of your home if you don't have the Spirit of God at work within your life? How are you going to submit to your husbands and pray for him and encourage him and nurture him and and be there as a team if you don't have the Spirit of God flowing in your life? I wish I could say that marriage was the easiest thing in the world. I think marriage is simple. said to you before I don't think it's rocket science applying it can be sometimes very difficult just because it's a simple concept doesn't mean that it's always easy sometimes it can be very difficult but I can go ahead and tell you there is no way in the world that we can have the vibrant and healthy marriage that God intended if we don't submit to his spirit and have His spirit at work within our And so many of our marriages, even in this room, are so tense because instead of submitting to one another, and instead of preferring one another, like there's this deep internal struggle for control. It's a power struggle. But can I just help you to see that controlling somebody is not the same thing as caring for somebody. Controlling somebody. It's not what it means to to submit or to lead or join together as a husband and wife and follow Jesus. In fact, when we try to control somebody, what we do is we cast their cares, insights, and opinions aside as if it doesn't matter and impose our own cares, insight, and opinions on them. But instead of controlling, God has called us as husbands to love our wives in such a way that we would give our life to protect her physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And the only way that happens is if we love our wives as Christ loves the church. I've told this story before, but I I, I think it's the greatest illustration ever to prove the point. I did a wedding way back in the day when I was really young in ministry, and 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 the guy was, um, he was, yeah, he, he felt, it, it, he had been doing a lot of drugs and kind of thing. And, and he struggled to make a complete sentence when he talked, you know. And, and he walked in my office the day of his wedding and he just kind of hit the wall and kind of slid down the wall. You know, I'm like, you all right, buddy? And he's like, I, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know if I can do this. And I thought, wow, he's backing out right here, right now. It's like, I've never had this happen before. He's backing out of his wedding. And, and he said, it just hit me like how how serious this is. Like, it is serious. Well, they had agreed to do their own wedding vows, which meant they didn't repeat after me. I was going to hand them a microphone and let them do it. And I knew she would do great because she was a talker, man. She just let it go. She just let it go. But him, not so much. And I thought, this is going to be good. And we got to that part of the. The wedding, and I handed her the microphone, and sure enough, man, she just went on and she did the thing, and it was beautiful like I thought it would be because she's great with words. And then I handed him the microphone and told him to crank up the cameras because this was going on America's funniest Home video. This was going to be great, right? And this young man who was sliding down the wall in my office, realizing how important this moment was, he looked at his bride and said, As Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, I submit myself to you, and I will love you, and I will honor you, and I will protect you and give my life for you as Christ gave himself for his body, the church. And I stood there with my mouth open and tears rolling down my face, and I thought if there was anybody who understands the biblical role that he's walked into, it's this guy. Do we really grasp what it means to serve one another? God has called a wife to love and respect her husband and to be supportive and encouraging in his family. And we're really quick to look at the person across the table or, or on the other side of the love seat and look at that person as if they are the ones that have all of the issues. But just for a moment this morning, could you hold the mirror up in front of your face and instead of pointing a finger to somebody else, could you just ask the question, as a husband, as a wife, am I fulfilling my God-given responsibilities in this home? And let it start there. And let's be willing to do something maybe we've never even done before so that we could see God do something that he's never done before. And I started thinking about, like, what is this what does this look like and and how have I seen this lived out in in our lives and, and in our church? And my mind went back to Hunter and Kristen's wedding because I saw something at Hunter and Kristen's wedding that I had never seen before. Because when I started thinking about what does it look like to truly serve one another, all I could think about was Jesus who knelt down at his disciples' feet and took a basin and a towel and washed Their feet. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And I watched as Hunter um, knelt down. And you'll see it in this image that I have for you. I reached out to Hunter and he didn't even know why. I was like, hey, man, send me pictures of your wedding. Um, I guess this was the night before, maybe the rehearsal. And they went off to a tree way across the field from everybody else. And I'm standing back just kind of watching, thinking, man, what's going on? What's that chair for? And and Hunter takes his bride-to-be, sits her in that chair, and gets down at her feet with a basin and a towel and washes his wife's feet. Now, why would he do that? Because he is saying, I am coming not to be served, but I am coming to serve. How can you serve your spouse? Every day when you wake up, like how can you wash their feet? And I'm not talking about every day when your spouse gets out of bed that you've got a bucket of water waiting for, right? Come on, baby, let me just wash some feet right now. That's what I'm talking about. Because if you know me, you know how hard this is because I hate feet. I despise feet. I'm not even, jo- I'm like nobody's feet. I was a youth pastor one time and I had a 15-passenger van of, Filled with students. We were riding down the interstate and I was getting tense and kind of tired, and all of a sudden, one of the students behind me started rubbing my head. And I thought, wow, that's nice. I'm kind of tense and that feels kind of good. This is all good. This feels kind of good. It was really kind. Thank you. Thank you for doing it. And I look in the rearview mirror, what do you think I saw? Her foot that was on my head. And I screamed and took her off to the side and like I came to the close of every kid to killing kids in that moment. I don't like feet. But I want to serve my wife. I want to serve my kids. I want to serve you. And when we live our lives that way, we put ourselves in a position for God to bless us in ways I don't know that we could ever understand. Would you stand with me right now?